Hi guys, and welcome to the Fight Up Boxing Podcast, where, you know, we get uh, nerdy about the technical stuff of the boxing of the weekend, and um, I'm Lukash, as always, and we've got a lot to talk about this weekend, so, you know, no mucking about, we're going to talk about Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall, we're going to talk about Michaela Maya versus Alicia Baumgartner on the undercard, well, the, the co-main of that fight, of that uh, card, we're going to talk about... Um, Devin Haney versus George Cambosos, and Cambosos is not very good adjustments in that fight. Um, we've got Deontay Wilder's triumphant return. I mean, it was a fantastic knockout. There's not a lot to talk about there, but who will anyway? And we'll also briefly mention on the undercard of that fight, um, Caleb Plant versus Anthony Zarrell. Um But yeah, no, no sense in, uh, in pissing about. So let's talk about Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. You know, as we know, coming into it, there was a lot of bad blood. Um, mainly because Clarissa Shields, you know, she regards herself as the greatest woman boxer of all time, which she might be. Um, you know, I think it's... Uh, Katie Taylor still has something to say about that, but um, but Marshall was the best opponent, I would say, of her career. You know, I think. And, um, you know, just unifying three divisions, well, two divisions, one of them twice. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a solid, it's a good achievement, and... And the thing is, she's also, her and Taylor are sort of pioneering, pioneering a, a new popularity and a new depth in women's boxing. So it's kind of hard to talk about, you know, it's not like men's boxing where it's hard for any modern boxer to be the greatest because there's so much more depth of schedule in the past. You know, women's boxing is still growing. Um, the depth of schedule still isn't, you know, even what it is in the men's now, but it's growing. And, um, and Clarissa Shields has a solid shout to call herself a woman's goat. Um, in any case, she was very upset because she lost one solitary amateur fight way back in the day, and it was against Savannah Marshall. And since then, Marshall has not achieved, you know, she's she's done well, but she's not achieved anything like what Shields has, And uh, but that loss has rankled. So they came into it with that sort of personal background, and yeah, it turned to a good fight. It turned to a good but clean fight. Uh, there was another fight on the card, Baumgartner versus Maya, where they they had no reason to dislike each other, but they apparently really did, and that that wasn't as classy. But this for this fight, kept they kept it classy. Um, you know, dueling on after the fight. Um, for me, the story of the fight uh, is this: Clarissa Shields is clearly a much better technical boxer than Savannah Marshall, and Savannah Marshall. She does some cool stuff, and if you watch her other fights, she does some really cool shit. But she has holes in her games that the sort of overall skill that Clarissa Shields displayed really drew out of her. Like she really did make errors, and I've been talking to Taylor about this, and I think he he was less impressed with Marshall's performance than I was. Um, and I think you know I understand why there was just a lot of raw technical stuff. But I did like, um, you know, Marshall made some good adjustments as the fight went on. And it's a thing, you know, having a deep technical toolkit isn't the only thing that makes a fighter. There have been some fighters with, you know, who can really do a lot, but they don't know when and how to do it and when to adjust and all of that kind of stuff. And Shields had to show an ability to adjust, to deal with, the, deal with Marshall doing different things. And Marshall, you know, I'm, I'm going to... I'm, it's the thing I contrast. I'm going to contrast it with, not so much in this, or to a certain extent in this fight. But George Cambosis, the first time he fought David Haney, um, he found himself with limitations, and he just got trapped in those limitations. He's just found himself unable to. He had no clues how to get at it. It's kind of that thing I talk about. You know, always have a backup plan. 
But um, but you know, it was also just a complete helplessness that Cambosa seemed to have in the first fight to change anything. Um, whereas Shields, she found herself in real trouble, and you know, there was a good argument for having her lose um, one of the first five rounds of the fight. I gave her one, I think, um, scoring on bloody elbow. But um, but there's a you know, there's an argument for her to, uh, to not have any won any rounds in the first half of the fight. But I think on most people's cards, she won at least two, and um, on a lot of round uh, cards three. Um, rounds in the second half of the fight so she clearly changed something for the better and I don't think it was just down to Shields getting tired I think Marshall did make some adjustments and the adjustments she made were sort of outside of her comfort zone there were things her doing things that aren't necessarily things that she wants to be doing but she still you know she wasn't just willing to do them but she had an idea of what she was trying to do she wasn't just randomly doing shit. And you can compare that, that to Cambosa's today, uh, yesterday, the weekend, uh, on Saturday, um, or Sunday, whatever it was, um, where Cambosa's in the second fight, he, he had lots of ideas, but, um, but he really had no idea. He didn't know what he was, you know, he didn't have a plan. He just had like, I'm going to try this shit. Whereas uh, Marshall kind of adapted on the fly and you know I'll get back to Cambosis later um, but Marshall adapted on the fly and even though she didn't have the technical toolkit to do what she was doing as well as she needed to do it to win the fight she still she did get herself you know she showed things that she it was, it was good it was cool it was just not, you know good to see someone have the ability you know to work within the limitations even outside of the limitations and try shit that they needed to do and it worked you know well enough I mean not well enough because she lost but uh but it was certainly better better than trying what she would was trying early on in the fight. And like I say, that meant Marsh, that meant Shields had to show more herself. And Shields, I, I will say, Shields has been studying and improving as a pro, like, as she's gone on. When she first came through, she was pretty wild. Like, she was, you know, for the women's game, she was really good. But but when you compared her to, you know, it, it's inevitable when compared to her to the top guys. She would fall forward and... Uh, you know, she, she was a bit of a ball rusher. She'd fall forward and she'd be leaning onto shots and all of that kind of stuff. And and it just wasn't particularly pretty to watch and it wasn't particularly technical. And now she's much, much, much better. You know, she um, she uses her jab to set up her shots. She uh, she waits for her opponent to respond before going in oftentimes. In this fight, um, she went on the back foot a lot and the back foot isn't her favourite place and... Uh, you know there are things she can still learn in that in that respect, but um, but that you know she used that against Marshall, and she was good at working off the ropes. Like she didn't want to be trapped on the ropes, and again I'll talk about that. Um, but she was good at working off the ropes, and she she was able to hold her ground in the middle, and all kinds of different stuff that she just little changes that she made. And so the beginning of the fight, the first round of the fight, Shields did find herself pushed back onto the ropes into the corners and I think most people gave her the round anyway because um because she was slipping most of what Marshall was throwing at her and able to counter and a few times she spanned her in the corner and pushed Marshall onto the ropes and punished her there. I think she did that like twice in the round. So I think pretty much everyone gave her the first round. But um whether it was the you know the game plan all along or whether she just decided that wasn't a good idea for her, she did in the second round, it was pretty clear. Just come out and try to meet um, meet Marshall in the, the middle of the ring and try to push it back. And initially, uh, she took a big shot and she got pushed back again. And it looked like maybe that's not the right idea because Marshall's a big puncher and all of that stuff. But that was when 
you know, she got recovered and, you know, I gave uh, Marshall the second round, but by the end of the round, Shields had worked it out and she was, um, she was causing Marshall real problems. And this is the thing I've been talking with Taylor about, um, is Marshall's footwork. Um, she does nice stuff. She does, she's trained by Tyson Fury, uh, Peter Fury, Tyson Fury's um, uncle and former coach. And you can see it with the start switching that she does and all of that kind of, you know, smooth movement. Um, but she does have basically the problem that the, the footwork is unsubtle. It's slick when it's working, but it's quite big steps. It's uh, not little adjustments. She relies, she relies on her opponents not being ready to deal with the movement of being caught by surprise. And Shields, when Shields started to kind of drop back a little bit or just step around a little bit, Marshall found herself getting off balance and getting square with her feet and being unable to throw the shots um, when that she needed to. And when she did throw them, they didn't have the sting on them that they needed to have. And uh, Shields, by contrast, you know, she can throw, she has a, big range of shots that she can throw nowadays um, you know uppercuts, hooks or, or you know all kinds of little goodies and she was finding the holes in Marshall's defence which you know it's fine but it's not great and especially when she was falling off balance you know the, the, she was there to be hit and uh, and so in the first few rounds that was the story and Marshall Marshall's initial adjustment was to get essentially more beat of fury it was more twitchy more janky more you know, really leaning into that uh, Fury style that you see in Huey and um, used to see in Tyson, the really janky stuff, uh, you know, a bit almost Adam Boothy. And that didn't work at all because, well, Shields read it pretty much immediately. Um, the problem that Marshall has in doing this is that um, her head movement proved to be entirely predictable um, because she moves her head like a pendulum, you know, when she's doing that kind of thing like that. At other times her head movement's okay, but when she's kind of doing the janky back and forth twitchy thing, um, the rest of her, you know, yeah, it's what she should be doing, um, has its flaws, gets her off balance sometimes too, but um, it's what she should be doing. But her head movement was just back and forth like a pendulum. So, um, so she didn't have a problem with timing shots onto her as she moved, because the thing about pendulum is it's, you know, the whole point of a pendulum is that's predictable. Um, dick fucking talk. And so Marshall, was getting caught on the hop, was getting caught on the move. And, yeah, and I would, like I say, um, there is a strong case that she lost the first five rounds um, and leaning into this. And and she was kind of just throwing more and more, trying to keep up with the pace. And she looked she looked for a moment like she was melting. Like in the fifth round or so, she looked like she wasn't really, I think it was the fourth or the fifth. Um, she really looked like she was um, not going to be able to live with the volume that Shields was putting back at her. Um, and Marshall was throwing lots of stuff without any real effect. And she was having to move a lot to try to even get in, in, into it, you know, and uh, and she looked like she was going to you know, fall apart. But in the sixth round, in the second half of the fight, essentially she made the, the, the big adjustment, which was to abandon that. Well, not abandon, she still did the footwork stuff. But... Um, but she realised it wasn't working for her. And she abandoned the sort of twitchy, fainty head movement stuff and she decided, okay, I'm much bigger than Clarissa Shields. Let's make that part of my game. And 
she, you know, then another thing I kind of, if you follow me and, and Taylor, you sort of kind of disagree on the timeline. There were trade-offs here because there were, you know, there were things that she had to give up. So uh, Marsha's power, she finds it at mid-range. When she gets in close, she doesn't really know how to generate it. So by adopting this game plan, it was kind of giving up on the knockout. And because she adopted it in the second half of the fight, it was it that made it hard ask to win from there. But um, yeah, what she did was um, get her gloves up. You know, it's a simple adjustment. It's get her gloves up, push forward, and get physical and shove shields about. And this is always a risky thing. It's a thing that you know all of us, you know, all of the fight type pundits and most of the pundits that we sort of move in the same circles with um, said Tyson Fury. Um, Anthony Joshua cannot be the bully against Usyk in that sense because he just doesn't know how. He doesn't know what to do in that situation. He'll get roughed up. Shields, even though, like I say, it's out of her comfort zone. It's not what she wants to do, and she made mistakes that ultimately did cost her the fight. Really, because if she, you know, if she just swept the five rounds, it would have been a draw um, or maybe a win um, for her. But she didn't. Um, but she did have an idea of what she was doing, and like I said at the beginning of this section, she had a plan, and the plan was, it wasn't just to bully Shields and, sh you know, shove her about and tie her out and all that kind of stuff. It was to disrupt her. It was exactly, it was the sort of thing that I did think Joshua should be doing. But, you know, she was more rough and physical about it, but it was, um, disrupt the movement, push into Shields, push her off balance, make it harder for her to defend just by getting her out of shape. You know, just uh, just get in the way. You know, Shields' movement wasn't uh, amazing. Like Shields', Shields movement wasn't music. Shields um, could have danced around her more. Um, you know, um, could have gone laterally circled more, and that would have given Marshall probably more problems with this. But um, but, um, but she was doing the you know little bits of steps aside, steps around, and steps aside, and uh, and the way Marshall approached her, the way Marshall pushed in did make this difficult and when she was in close especially late, a bit later on um, she did kind of Marshall did kind of start to push in close and then make her own steps left and right make her own little angles and she had success doing that and uh, Shields was a little out of shape and she had to you know she had to eat, eat a few shots she was late on um, it was just not you know it was cool to see and she you know she had an idea of what to do and defensively and she had an idea of how to frame up and like I say Yes, she made mistakes, and one of the mistakes she made, um, which is the thing that she was caught on to, was that initially when she started to do this, she was really in a hurry. And um, and she's prone to this anyway, um, getting over her front foot, like really overbalancing. And when she was rushing in like that, Shields did start to draw her on to right hand, especially I think it was in the seventh round, or possibly the eighth. Um, Shields really did kind of uh, draw her onto shots. And um, and then you know she looked like maybe she uh, she was turning the tide, and uh, you know I'd say that adjustment was what ultimately guaranteed the fight for Shields because because if Marshall's kept doing that she may well have ended up getting locked out even though Shields didn't have a lot of power because you know um, walking onto a shot leaning yourself onto a shot is the best way to add power onto it um, and. And Marshall, to her credit, Marshall realised, and Marshall, and she started, you know, and this is a difficult thing for to, to do on the fly. You see, much more technically complete boxers than Marshall, 
not realise these things in the moment. And, you know, she's coached by a good coach. She's coached by Peter Fioretto. I'm sure corner advice came as well. But it's difficult to apply these things at the moment. She did pull back. She did stop over balancing quite so much. And the thing is, you know, again, that's a mistake she makes that's in her game and should really be coaching out of her before the fight. But it's a tricky thing to cope, to to adjust to that in the middle of in the middle of the fight. So I was impressed by that. And she, yeah, she basically kept her balance better. And that caused a problem too, because she had to be more patient. And that meant she would have more time to, to see her coming. Um, and that meant she could get her own defense going and find a bit more space to work her own shots again and start to kind of build up some momentum in the clinch and in the pocket as well. But, um, but, and, and I think, and this was in the ninth round, um, Marshall had a strong ninth round, and that was in a, a lot because um, almost she almost used some of Shields' tricks against her. Essentially, she um, Shields would start Shields would start to try to push her back, and Marshall would kind of go and slide back and crack her with a shot, and she'd take a little angle inside and crack her with a shot, and um, and yeah, that was cool. And if she does, you know, if if she, if Marshall can go away and train really hard and. Uh, and reapply all of that stuff so that is part of her game rather than something she's improvising on the fly. Um, you know, she'd have... Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the rematch is what I'm saying here. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want the immediate rematch because, because you know, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again with Cambosos. Um, immediate rematches are tricky because the kind of thing you have to do to... You know, it takes a while to learn that kind of improvement. But she's got the basics of it already, so you know, this is more intriguing than most. Um, yeah, but she was ultimately, um, she, you know, she was figured that out too, stopped doing the things that she was getting caught for. Basically, both women showed a really good awareness of the mistakes the mistakes they were making, not just the mistakes their opponents were making, but the mistakes they themselves were making They were getting caught and then finding the holes in what their opponents were doing or pushing for the holes in what their opponents were doing, especially in the second half of the fight. Was, the second half of the fight was a really good game of adjustment and counter-adjustment. It was fun. You know, you'll see higher level technical fights in the men's game and, you know, sometimes in the women's game too, especially if the game improves. But this was really, you know, it was a good a good fight and lots of it it was high action like they neither of them ever stopped throwing um, and it's the kind of thing where you know I would like to see the women fight 3 minute rounds and 12 rounds uh, but uh, before the time that we got you know we got a lot of action and a lot of back and forth and a good rhythm going in the fight um, and yeah but the things the things going forward um Shields is in a tricky position because um, the thing about women's boxing is it's rising, but it's still shallow. And especially really at middleweight and above, there's not a lot going on. Like, um, I think Shields is going to have to drop down for real challenges. You know, if they are real challenges, before for sort of opponents that are credible for her, she's going to have to drop down. She, you know, she's going to have to look at Hannah Jonas, uh, Tasha Jonas, if Hannah Rankin gets credible at her. Uh, light middleweight than um, than her as well. She's also got MMA stuff going on, so so who knows when we'll see her back. Marshall can't cut down, so Marshall has to stay at uh, middleweight. But she'll she's got more to prove. Like so, she'll have the opponents that she hasn't beaten at middleweight already to work with. Um, but yeah, no, it's just uh, yeah. I hope to see more from both of them. It was cool. To, it was just a cool fight to see. Um, and you know, it's the elephant in the room. It was an all women's card. 
that really drew punters and really got people excited and uh, then it showed that the, the top two fights really had a high technical level of boxing um, the rest of the card was a bit of a I mean I wouldn't call it a joke it's the same kind of thing we see on men's cards all the time but there were you know there are a bunch of prospects all fighting people who they shouldn't have been in the ring with or well two of them to be fair you know it's a kind of standard there was one uh, one fight was just the opponent was just embarrassing um but again, we see that in the men's fights too. Um, but anyway, let's talk about, you know, Clarissa Shields. Fair, fair play to her. And she might she might be the greatest woman of all time. Um, she's certainly staked a claim here, you know. Um, so congratulations to her. And let's talk about the co-main now. The co-main was Michaela Mayer versus Alicia Van Gardner. And I was, you know, I was an odd mix of wrong and right about this one. Because um, I said that... Uh, Michaela Mayer has a really good jab, and uh, but she's not doing a lot, especially defensively, once you get past the jab, and that some of her punches get sloppy and uh, and all of that kind of thing. And that um, Baumgartner was going to, if Baumgartner could get past the jab, that she was going to have a lot of joy, and that she was going to be able to fight in the pocket, throw uppercuts, and uh, and you know overhands and things like that, and uh, generally have a lot of joy once she closed past the range of Mayer, and. Uh, and I was right about that. And that is ultimately what did win Baumgarten in the fight. Although it was, you know, it's a little controversial. It's not controversial in the sense that um, Maya saying when she claimed she was robbed. But, um, but it was a tight fight that either one could have won. Um, so it's not like Baumgarten swept the board. And that was because it's not just that the jab was good, um, especially through the middle rounds, but Maya followed the jab up really well with some nicely timed follow-ups, some nicely timed intercepting punches and rights and... Um, you know, stepping in one two that sort of was stopping Pam Gardner tracks a bit, and she'd vary the level of the follow-up shot and the word jab as well. Um, but one of the things that um, shifted early on, Pam Gardner had a lot of success in the first few rounds, um, and she was really coming in under. Um, she was using her height disadvantage, just slipping in under the under the jab, and um, um, yeah, like I, you know, like I thought she would, having a lot of joy, and it was a simple adjustment for Maya to make, but. Um, but she made it, great to her, was to start throwing the jab and lower down, and vary the jab and, you know, stab it to the body, and also follow up right hands that went all through the head. And um, Baumgartner originally really struggled with this, because she couldn't come in, she couldn't slip, she couldn't slip under the jab anymore. And, uh, and yeah, and then that again became a battle of, um, of adjustments, and, but, um, but the adjustments here were more about the timing, like they, neither of them completely changed their game but there were adjustments of the little things of the little timing the little timings the little steps so Maya was consistently pushing forward and uh, and trying to find Baumgartner but she wasn't like bullying in because she did, uh, Maya doesn't want to be enclosed she wants to be pushing her opponent back but at mid at mid and long range whereas Baumgartner is kind of a counter puncher almost but she wants to come in close and then unload you know almost you know I wouldn't call it Mike Tyson-esque but uh, it has that same idea where you want to come in under your opponent's punches and then you know use the height as you come back up to unload and Baumgartner has power and um, especially in the early early in the fight that showed and um uh, some good shit there, and she showed her head movement as well. And uh, what you know, why head movement is important. You know, it's not necessarily catching things in the gloves, but um, but slipping and all of that. It's important. Um, anyway, this is an incredibly basic thing. It doesn't get said often enough, I think. Catching punches on the gloves is you know it's good defense and it's uh, it's it's um it's important. And sometimes it's the thing you need to do. But if you can use head movement as your defense, 
then you're coming around your opponent as they're attacking. And you're essentially using, you, you have the chance to use the attack as you, to hide your movement in a way that you don't when you're, you know, you're not being interrupted by the punch, is what I'm saying here. And Baumgartner used that, yeah, it used that to her credit. But like I say, Maya adjusted. And in the middle rounds, Maya had a, you know, had a lot of success and Baumgartner was struggling to get in close. And then later on, you know, she made a few, um, like I say, the changes weren't huge in terms of what they were doing. It was adjustments of timing and the little things. And I think, you know, I'm looking at just taking a lot of look at some of it now. And honestly, it's kind of funny how simple the adjustment was. It's, this is an example of how, how basic some of the adjustments can be in boxing that can have really big rewards. Early on in the fight, um, Baumgartner was mostly slipping Maya's jab inside and coming up the middle, like low down but up the middle. And that was what was causing her a problem when Maya started throwing shots low down. Um, she was coming up the middle, so she was getting met with those. In the last three rounds or so, she'd slipped to the outside, and that made it harder for Maya. And because Maya is quite straight-lined, um, she didn't have, you know, she wasn't able to turn to follow to catch. Because that's the risk of doing that kind of thing, slipping to the outside, is... Um, if your opponent can turn, you know, if you step around your opponent and they can turn, as you do it, you can get caught straightening up, um, you know, as they turn to follow you. But um, but Maya didn't really have that in her, and Baumgartner had a lot of success slipping to the outside of her jab and coming with the right over the top, over her jab, rather than, you know, slipping inside and coming around the outside from the inside position. That was the adjustment that I think essentially won her the fight. Um, so that was cool to see. You know, just a neat little example of a, of a little, you know, two little adjustments. Two little adjustments. Maya's initial adjustment was to start throwing lower down, and that made it much harder for Baumgartner to slip for stuff. And then Baumgartner, you know, started to slip into the outside, and and that made a big difference as well. And, yeah, like I say, there were also variations in timing and all that kind of shit. Like these, um, you know, I would say Maya was more of a simple fighter. Um, she does less of the complicated, you know, potentially cool stuff, but she has a neat line in time. Like she times it really well. She times things really well. And she has a neat line in that, you know, stepping overhand, right? On one, two. She's really good at that. Um, but yeah, I think she does lack a bit of head movement and, um, and she doesn't get her gloves up fast enough for someone who doesn't really do head movement inside. Um, it's weird because her head movement when she's outside is fine, but she doesn't do it when her opponent closes past a comfortable, comfortable distance. And that is something she's going to have to work on. Like, if she, especially if, she, if she's going to have the rematch or if she's going to fight the other guys she's talking about um, fighting, she is going to have to work on more head movement or at least getting her hands up and becoming like a real pressure fighter with her hands protecting her. Yeah, and Baumgartner, you know, will be happy with the win. Um, yeah. Um, she wants unification now. And the reason this fight was less classy, I say, is because even though they had no good reason to dislike each other, there was no history there. Um, you know, they were they were very unpleasant to each other before the fight. And after the fight, you know, Maya claims um, I was robbed, you know. And uh, Baumgartner's like, no, I'm not giving that bitch a rematch. Um, I want unification. And it's like, sure, go for the unification. But... Um, but this was no enough, a clear victory enough to say the rematch isn't worth it. The rematch would be fun. Um, the other thing I will say is Tim Bradley was complaining that this fight was um, not enough action, not enough you know punches thrown, and yeah, it wasn't the 
attrition fest or the volume fest of the main event, but um, but I can't see how anyone watched that and was bored. Like there was plenty of volume happening and there was plenty of technique and skill on show, and it was cool. Yeah, it was. You know, it's not going to be fight of the year. Um, I don't think the main event was fight of the year either. But um, but it was just a cool, skilled, high level fight um, with plenty of volume. You know, it was hardly Rugendo versus Donaire. It was just a. Uh, you know, it wasn't constant back and forth action, but it was fine. In any case, yeah, that was that. That was the women's card. Um, I'm not, not really going to talk about anything else on that card. Karen Underbois is worth watching out for, but yeah, nothing happened on that card that wasn't expected to happen. Um, you know, if you're interested in the women's prospects coming up, there's a few on that card, and a few on some of the other cards as well. Um, there is a fight. I'll mention it now before I move on to the you know the main event of the card. Um, which is Cambosos versus Haney. But on the other card, there was a women's title fight um, at... Um, let me just have a quick look. For fuck's sake, I had it open a second ago. Um, it was at Super Bantamweight. Um, it was between Chineka Johnson, who was the champion against Susie Ramadan. And um, I can't speak for the whole fight because I didn't watch it. Um, but Chineka Johnson won a decision to keep her belt um, for the to keep her IBF Super Bantam belt. And um, she fought through the most horrific cut it was fucking ridiculous it's actually pretty insane that the fight wasn't stopped it was like clash of heads so um so it would have i think gone to points um you know based on when the stoppage happened but um she fought through it and i mean it was fucking it was a huge cut spewing blood everywhere um you can see you know you can see bits of it if you look up on twitter cheneka johnson um, Susie ramadan it's just uh, <laughs> a grisly cut and uh you know just the uh the guts to fight through that. Um, and, you know, I'm not familiar with Chenica Johnson. I'll, I'll sit down and watch that fight at some point, but I'm not going to be able to cover it here. Uh, but, but that was, you know, that was another notable woman's fight that happened in a title fight. Um, but I am now going to move on to the main event of that fight, which is Devin Haney versus George Campos Jr. <laughs> and I am going to be hypercritical here. It may be unfair of me, but I'm going to be hypercritical because George Campos Jr., Look, he gave it a go, um, and I have to give him credit for that because um, you know the first fight he looked uh, he looked like a rabbit in the headlights and didn't really wasn't really trying anything. And in this fight, he did try shit. He did go for it, and even when it was going horribly wrong, he was constantly trying. But his game plan was so bad, and this was almost the opposite of last week where. And Cajas made the right improvements, but they just hadn't bedded in. Like, they hadn't fully, um, you know, fully set with in. So when he got tired and when he got pressed, he started going back to the old ways. Um, Cambosos made wholesale changes. He tried to make himself a whole different fighter. But he didn't really understand what he was doing. And it was just not... In the first round, he had a little bit of success because Haney was like, you know, what, what the fuck? Um, he came out start switching and he came out... It was almost like the... You know, I was talking about earlier with um, with Marshall. This type the 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 Peter Fury thing, like almost an Adam Booth thing. Although Adam Booth's fighters don't necessarily start switch as much. Um, I mean, they do, but uh, not to the same extent. But yeah, it was really twitchy, really um, loads of start switching, and a lot more aggressive than he was. You know, to be fair, um, than he had been in the first fight. Like the 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 big criticism in the first fight was that was that Cambosos was never able to... He wasn't able to throw punches when he wasn't comfortable. 
and he was never comfortable, so he didn't throw enough. Um, in this fight, he did try to let the punches go, but it was just he had the things he was... He didn't understand the things he was doing. He didn't understand... Like with Savannah Marshall, you can criticise the way that she switches stance and the, the openings that she leaves her opponents and her getting herself off balance. But she knows what she's doing when she does it. She knows the aim. And it's dangerous for her opponents because as she switches stances, she's setting up a shot. Cambosis was switching stances and he wasn't setting anything up because he didn't know what he was going to do when he got there. Like he'd switch his stance and just stand there looking at Haney. He'd go southpaw and just stand there looking at Haney. And it took Haney... Like, I think Haney had almost was in disbelief at just how basic, like, like surely he can't be this unprepared for his own game plan because because he was going into Southport and not throwing anything and he was, you know, juking out, juking to the outside, like jinking and trying to slip shots um, and not throwing anything. And then when he did, they were not powerful. Like he hadn't practiced, it was like he hadn't practiced throwing those shots. Like, you know, when he, yeah. And, you know, almost, especially early on, like pretty much universally, Haney knew that he could let Cambosis just do his thing at distance because he'd have to come back to centre point before he did anything. And, you know, he'd, he'd just wait for him to reset. And this is the thing, Cambosis would switch and switch and switch and twitch and all of this kind of thing, and then he'd reset and then he'd go forward. And, um, and Haney would just wait for him to get into the middle and then just pop him. And, you know, as the fight went on, he would start to anticipate the moves more and start catching him in the move. And Cambosis, it's just like Cambosis didn't know what his own... Like he, he had... His game plan was to confuse Haney. But he didn't understand the things that he was doing to confuse Haney with. And Haney understood pretty much immediately. Like, um, you know, I there are criticisms to be had of Haney and um, you know he has holes in his game he's not Shukor Stevenson you know with all due respect he's not technically flawless or anything like that but he understands his own game and when he sees an opponent doing shit he understands what's happening and Cambosos didn't like it was just I'm sorry it was a it wasn't good it was <laughs> it was a little bit embarrassing to watch back to be honest um, because it was just a guy uh, uh, like I, I can't say he didn't understand why he lost the first round because he clearly did but he didn't have any ideas on how he didn't or he had all the wrong ideas on how to fight his way back and what was slightly dispiriting was that um, the main the, the important thing that he needed to do was to Condition himself to throw punches when he wasn't comfortable throwing punches, like I said earlier. And he was doing that. And if he'd have done that from the same old George Cambosis, you know, simple, basic, back up, in and out movement, um, and if he'd, you know, and if he'd have just kept to that and maybe got his hands up a bit more and, um, you know, chucked in and thrown, you know, close up range, just in a much more simple way, maybe him throwing those that volume, maybe him like him conditioning himself to throw when he's not comfortable would have made that fight much closer. But he added all of this extraneous bullshit that just helped, you know, it was working against him. And it was, I mean, it was just, it wasn't great. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bad, it was a terrible decision. It was terrible game planning. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think his corner, like, if that's what his corner came up with, then I think... 
he needs a change. Like, it's always easy for an armchair analyst like me, you know, to say, you know, oh, yeah, he should uh, chuck away the guys he's been with, you know, loyalty and all of that. But if that's their idea, and, you know, he didn't understand what he was doing, so they probably didn't either. If they suggested that change to him, or even if they didn't, you know, it just wasn't good. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to shit on a guy at a low moment. Um, and again, like I say, he gave it his all. Um, and I'll give it, you know, I'll, I have to give him this. Like the first one, he, I wouldn't say he gave up in the first one, but, but he did kind of get his spirit kind of broken. And I don't think that happened in this one. But at the same time, he got himself much more beaten up. And if Haney had had more power, like the commentators mentioned this, if Haney was a power puncher and Cabosis came at him like that, he would have knocked him out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost, it's almost, in fact, it probably is, like, uh, a negative thing to say about Haney. It's hard to say too much negative about Haney in this fight because, um, he performed well. He won, he won at a canter. He, like I say, he has the smarts and the ring intelligence to figure out what Cambosis is doing very quickly and not be confused by it, even though Cambosis himself was, um, but you did see the technical issue that caused him not to generate much power because he should have been able to knock Cambosos when he was getting off balance. And, you know, Cambosos was really getting himself off balance. He should have been able to knock him down, at least. And it didn't really happen for him. It was a, it was a dominant victory and he kind of beat him up, but he never, you know, he never really looked close to getting him out on there. But, you know, it, fine. It was a dominant victory, and uh, and Cambosis made loads of bad decisions, and uh, and Haney, yeah, Haney had the ring intelligence to figure it out very quickly and know what he was doing, and that was cool. Um, I'm not going to talk too much longer about that fight because yeah, <laughs> it just kind of irritated me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, George, I'm sorry, Mister Cambosis, but um, but you made bad decisions. You made, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, um, there are other cards and other fights on that card, but um. But I didn't watch them. Um, before I move on to Deontay Wilder, I will point out that there was another Australian card um, on the day before. But the headline event of that was um, Liam Parrow knocking out a hideously overmatched um, Brock Jarvis. And Jarvis came in unbeaten, you know. May have had something, but um, but he didn't. And um, Parrow is a kind of a prospect, he's 26, so he's, you know, past the prospect stage, but he'll be looking at, um, at, um, for fuck's sake, 140 pounds, um, he will be looking at, um, trying to step up to world level soon, um, you know, it'll be, this fight didn't say anything about that, it was just an overmatched guy, um, and Sky Nicholson fought on that card as well, probably the, you know, the, another step up in her career, um, Sky Nicholson is a, is a woman's boxer whose footwork is genuinely really good. Like, I like things that Maya does, but she likes mistakes. Um, she makes mistakes. Okay, we haven't seen Sky Nicholson or hidden with anyone really, really good yet, but, um, her footwork's genuinely really classy. And, um, I do hope to see her, um, quite, you know, um, she's in Amanda Sorano's new weight class and, um, she's a fair bit off fighting that level yet but um but it shouldn't be too long if she, you know if Serana stays at that weight um it shouldn't be too long before she's fighting Sky Nicholson um and I hope to see that soon um anyway 
that's that for the Australian cards. Um, let's talk about Deontay Wilder very briefly because what happened is that he walked into the ring with uh, with Hellenius. Hellenius kind of ran at him, fell onto his fist, and uh, got poleaxed. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is a, a thing. Um, you know, Wilder has that death touch. Um, I have often talked about, and um, others wonder too. Um, you know, can Wilder box on the back, generates pound back foot? Because that, co- that is what cost him against Fury. Um, and I did think he's been working on that with um, with Malik Scott. And, you know, there were signs of that in the first fight with Fury, but he, in the third fight with Fury, but he just got too outmatched. Um, he did catch Hellenius on the back foot. Like Wilder was on the back foot, enough balance, and caught him and, and knocked him out. Um, so there is evidence that, yes, he's been working on generating power, even while completely fucking out of balance and that's a scary thing for his opponents at the same time Kovlatsky did basically just head by his fist so and this is a thing I don't understand I don't really understand because yes the thing to do with um, Wilder is to press him but Hellenius isn't a pressure fighter and I mean this again speaks why it is a tough thing to fight against his style and Joshua probably shouldn't have been you know trying to bully Usyk like, you know, he didn't and it would have been a bad idea and this kind of demonstrated why Hellenius isn't Joshua, he's the worst in Joshua but, um, but yeah, he doesn't really know how to press so when he tried, he just kind of fell over into Wilder's fist and yeah, it was a fucking slamming knockout um, you know, pole axe on the canvas um, yeah, not a lot to say um, you know, there's a lot of talk about who Wilder's going to face next um, it'll probably be Ruiz and, uh, you know, I will pick Wilder for that fight if that fight happens but um, but he still makes enough mistakes and Ruiz hits hard enough and is fast enough with his hands that, you know, that is by no means a given um, Joseph Parker would be great um, Antonio should be great it would just be, you know, there's a lot of good options for Wilder um, yeah and Hellenius maybe has something about retirement yeah, the other thing on that card was um, Caleb Plant versus um, Anthony Durrell. And, you know, straight up front, this is another one of those. I didn't get to watch the full fight because <laughs> cause there's only so many hours in the day. I have a day job. I have shit, you know, I have shit to do. I didn't get to watch the fight. But um, the knockout was pretty brutal. Uh, but the thing getting people talking is the celebration. And all I want to say, like, yes, it's tasteless to do a grave digger celebration when your opponent's poleaxe on the canvas and you don't know if he's okay. But Darrell had been talking that shit all week, including wearing a t-shirt saying he was going to plant plants in the ground. So there is no basis for him then, you know, I don't even know if Darrell got upset by that celebration. But, um, but yeah, if you're going to talk that shit, then you're going to eat some shit too, if you lose. And... To be honest, you know, it was, you know, yes, it was disrespectful and shouldn't have done it. And if Cyril had been really hurt, you know, it would have looked really fucking bad. <laughs> but, you know, you, you get what you, you get out what you put in. So I can't really be too mad about that plant for that. And yes, I do want to see plant fight Benavides. Um, I think it will lose, but um, it will be a good fight and, and I want to see it. Um, and that's it for this week um, I mean it's not it for this week there was other stuff that happened Jazza Dickens fought but again I didn't watch it because that was happening at the same time as a women's fight um, the next week is not so not, not, not quite you know there's not quite as much going on um, let me just take a look um, it's it's it, you know we're basically just waiting for Lomachenko to finish to finish off November 
So, um, so we've got a light schedule. Um, Richard Lara's fighting San Martin. So, um, so yeah, and that yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I can't really see anything else worth looking at. There's a showbox fight on Friday, but um, yeah, no, there's not not really a lot going on. I'll be honest, I'm not even sure if I'm going to write a preview for this. Um, I'll take a look, but I'm not I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's a light week, and we're basically waiting for um, for Lomachenko to fight the week after. So I may see you next week for the podcast, and if I don't, I'll see you the week after next. Um, again, follow me at Crafty Boxing. Um, look out for you know, shield myself. Look out for my writing on both on both the fight site, of course. But um, but I'll be writing a preview for Lomachenko in two weeks on Bloody Elbow. So check that out. I did write a piece on Clarissa Shields just now, so that's on Bloody Elbow as well. Um, um, and yeah, you know, again, my previews on the fight site as well, <laughs> all of that stuff. Um, follow me at Crafty Boxing if you don't already. Follow the fight site at the fight site. Um, we're still raising money for for Iggy, um, you know, our contributor and well, really the guy who's been keeping the thing running behind the scenes for a little while. Um, you know, he's in, um, he's trying to get out of, or well, he's out of Russia, trying to stay out of Russia and. If you look on our, our site, if you check on our Twitter, um, there is an appeal, um, and we're raising. You know, we're trying to we're trying to get him into a safe, place, permanently safe place, basically. Um, and other than that, yeah, you know, engage with our stuff. Uh, if you want to engage with us on the on day to day, you know, more often is what I'm saying. Um, join our Patreon, join the Discord, and yeah, I'll, I will see you for the next one, whether that's next week or the week after.